Well, over the last several weeks, we have set our focus on one verse, right? We've been camped out on just, just one single verse for several weeks now, dissecting the four priorities that our church ancestors devoted themselves to, right? And, uh, and the verse that we've been focusing in, I want to read once again. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, and it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So far, we have devoted um, one week to, um, to examining uh, a devotion to teaching, a devotion to fellowship, a devotion to breaking bread, right? And then last week, we sort of put that one into practice by eating together, right? Which was pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it was fun. It was awesome to come in here and have tables all set up and have food and to hang out. And I know that for some of you, that was like the scariest thing in the world. But I, I, I pray that by the end of that time that, that you, you met some new people and you had some good conversation. And we had lots and lots of incredible feedback from you on that, going like, let's do that every other week, you know, and some of you are going, what? And so, we will be doing that again. Look for that coming in the coming year because I think it's, a, it's an important practice to have, um, and it was a sweet time together for sure last week. And now today, on this week before Christmas, we are going to focus on the fourth priority that emerged in the church, and that was a devotion to prayer. A devotion of prayer. Now, now I have to confess, when, when we enter into this whole topic of prayer, when I, when I you know, first kind of committed my life to Jesus, when I was an early you know, follower of Jesus when I was, was like a teenager, um, I sort of had this, this love-hate relationship with this idea of prayer, right? Because I, I loved it because I learned that I have been given this privilege, this freedom to actually talk to God. And I could bring whatever I want to him. And it was like, that is awesome. But, but I also struggled with it um, because uh, I, I, I never felt like I was a very good prayer. And I always struggled feeling like I don't pray enough or I, I don't pray good enough or I don't say the right things. And, and so early on in my faith, this idea of prayer was something that I kind of liked and I kind of didn't like at all. In fact, I remember um, uh, in youth group uh, that we would come, and it was just sort of, a, especially in that day when I was kind of growing up, when we'd kind of, you know, get to the end of a service or something, and we would um, kind of get into smaller groups, and we'd be standing in a circle, and then we would sort of end with a time of prayer, and the deal was we would pray around the circle, right? And, and, and the anticipation was, was that everybody in the circle is now going to pray out loud, and uh, I just, I, I, man, I hated that. And, and I remember we'd come to this, and like somebody say, okay, and I'll start with me, you know, or whatever. And, and that person would start praying, and then I would break out into cold sweat. Because I, I, I see it, it's like, you know, counting down to me. And, and I just remember during those times that while other people were praying, I was rehearsing in my head what I was going to say. Right? And, and, and every, I would sit there, and I would try and, you know, wordsmith it and figure out the right thing to say. 
as I'm doing that, um, it sounds terrible, right, in my head. And it sounds so dumb. And that just makes the anxiety go even more as the circle of prayer is closing in on me. Right, and I just, and then it would finally come to me, and I like do something afterwards. I'm like, oh, that was terrible, and oh, anybody, anybody ever experience that? <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, we are not alone. And it didn't get much better as I sort of continued to get older. Um, th- this whole idea of prayer was one of those things that was just mysterious and difficult for me. I, I, I uh, graduated from college. I became a youth pastor. And, and one of the things that my pastor sort of dragged me to was this, this prayer meeting with kind of the local pastors. Um, every month we'd get together and pray for an hour. And I was, as like the youth guy, I was one of the, the few churches around where, where they had a youth pastor. And so everybody in the room was like 100 years older than I was. And we would go into this church that you can, you know, if you grew up in church, you can kind of imagine um, where it was this echoey sort of like every, you know, wood-clad roof, wood floor, these hardwood um, pews. I don't know where that word came from, but pews, you know, in there. And we'd go in there, and, um, and, and so we gather in, and, and I just remember the first time I came to this thing, it was like, I didn't know what to do. And I said, okay, you know, find a place to sit or to kneel, and we're going to pray for an hour, right? And, and, and I just remember, you know, sitting there, and there was this, this guy, this, this, this pastor who had this loud, booming voice. And we would, I would sit down to pray, and every single, every month we would come together and do this, he would do this. He would say, in this echoey, this echo chamber of a church, glory, glory, glory. And I'm not kidding you. He would say those three, you know, glory over and over and over and over again for an entire hour. And I couldn't even hear myself think, let alone pray. And I, I remember just sitting there, and I'm hearing glory, glory, glory. And I'm just, I wanted so badly. I just imagined my head just saying, say something, man. You know, I just... And so, uh, I, I, so I struggled, you know, growing up with this whole idea of what does it look like to pray. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that slowly God is so patient with me. That slowly but surely God has sort of renovated and renewed and deepened my love for and my passion for and my understanding of prayer. And he's continuing to teach me how to pray. So I want you to know this right up front, that whether you are praying alone or whether you are praying with others, prayer is not a performance. It is a privilege. It's not a performance. And I sort of grew up with this, with this idea. I don't know if it was taught to me or if I just sort of gained it myself, but I thought it was somehow... Like I'm praying to people and they're listening to me and, and judging how I'm doing and maybe God was too and it's not a performance. Prayer is also not some, some mystical way of getting God to do what you want. Prayer is simply this. Communication with God. It is about relationship. Right? Just like any other relationship we have, we need communication The same thing is true in our relationship with God. We need to learn how to communicate with him. 
So I just want you to know this morning that if you have ever struggled with understanding prayer or with practicing prayer, if you have wrestled with the reason for praying, or if you've wrestled with the practice of praying out loud or praying with others, I want you to know you're not alone. And it's okay. But, but my prayer this morning is that we will all grow in our understanding of and our devotion to prayer. That's my desire this morning. And so what I'm going to do this morning is, is I'm going to focus on one specific aspect of prayer. Today we're going to talk about a devotion to praying together. Right? Praying uh, corporately is kind of maybe the word we use to pray together. And then actually, next month, as we kind of go into the new year, we're going to take a few weeks to talk about some practices. And next month, Stacy and I are going to be sharing a message together about some, some very practical ways to practice prayer. Okay? So, so today, we're just going to focus in on praying together. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the, the church, this newly formed church this spirit-filled and empowered church who are devoting themselves to prayer. And I believe that a devotion to prayer ought to be a, an identifying mark of the church today as well. Those four things identified the priorities and the practices of the church. And I'm not sure, if I'm really being honest, that prayer is a defining mark of the church today. And my prayer is that in the coming months and years, at least right here in this family, we would learn and love to pray. That's my desire. So, so let's dive in. I want to answer a couple of questions this morning. The first one is this. What does it mean to be devoted to praying together? What does it mean? What does it look like to be devoted to praying together? Well, what I want us to understand is this. As you look through the book of Acts, the, the early church, uh, the commitment to praying together did not begin in Acts chapter 2, what we just read, and it didn't end there either. Prior to the arrival of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the church had already begun to commit to praying. We read about it in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were already devoting themselves to prayer. And then you, you fast forward a little bit to Acts chapter 4. Peter and John were, 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 were being questioned by the religious leaders, and the Bible says this in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard about it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, and then there's a, 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 a lengthy prayer that they prayed together. The point is that they began to pray together as one. And then on another occasion, Peter had been arrested. He was in prison or in jail. And, and in response, as you would imagine, the church gathered together and they began to pray, God, would you please Help Peter. Would you please release Peter? Would you please do something miraculous for Peter? And God heard their prayers. And God miraculously, literally, um, broke him out of jail in this supernatural way. And now let's hear what happens next. This is awesome. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. 
When he realized this, that's Peter, he realized he's been set free. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. (laughs) But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they they saw him and were amazed. I just want you to picture this for a minute. I have no doubt, I have no doubt that the people in that room praying were absolutely sincere, right? And they were saying, God, would you do something amazing? Would you please set him free? Please bring him back, right? I mean, they were praying those things, and I think that they meant it. And then Peter was set free. Like, God answered the prayer miraculously, He was set free. He finds his way to the house where they're praying. And can you imagine? He's like knocking on the door. He's all excited to tell them what just happened. You're not going to believe it, guys. And they won't let him in. Because they can't believe it. Right? Peter, or or they're saying to to, to this young girl, it can't be Peter because Peter's in jail and we're praying that God will set him free. Right? Just imagine, I share that verse this morning because of this. It's encouraging to me. Because one of these events where God moved in a miraculous way in response to prayer was through imperfect prayer and imperfect belief. And I just want you to know that one of the lessons from this is this, is you don't have to pray perfectly. Right? You can even be surprised when God responds. They were. They couldn't believe it. You can be surprised. They were not perfect in their praying, and they were not perfect in their believing, and yet they were devoted, and they prayed. They brought themselves, and they brought their needs before God over and over and over again, bringing their less-than-perfect prayers and their less-than-perfect faith before a God who is perfect and who is able. And I love that. It makes me feel a lot better when I read the prayers of the early church. They were devoted. They were committed. They did it all the time. They came together and they prayed. And they didn't do it just right. And sometimes we come to this whole idea of prayer with this idea that there's some kind of like perfect way of saying it or doing it or believing it. And there's not. Prayer is simply talking with God, and we're going to imperfectly talk with God, and he's going to perfectly respond. Clearly, the early church was deeply, deeply committed to praying together. And as they prayed together, the example we see is they would often pray together for shared needs in the church, and they would pray for one another. I want to stop for just a moment. We've seen several examples of the early church and their devotion to prayer. And I think that it's appropriate to sort of stop every once in a while and to sort of pull up a mirror and say, does that look like us? 
or even more personally, to say, does that look like me? Devoted to, even imperfectly, devoted to prayer. Is that a defining mark of the church? I pray that it will become one. Do we really believe, do you really believe, that God hears and responds when we pray? There's a pretty common belief that prayer is simply to make you feel better about yourself. But do we actually believe that God hears and responds? Because he does, and that's the example of the church, and I pray that it will become the reality for the church today. One more example of this. Paul was uh, an influential leader in the early church, and and oftentimes in his writing, he wrote about praying for the church, and and over and over again, he also asked the church to pray for him. He believed something about the power of prayer, and specifically about the church praying together, and so he'd ask them to pray. Here's one one example of that. It's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open a door for us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on, which, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul says, continue to be steadfast, to be devoted to prayer, Right? And he uses these words, I want you to be watchful, and I want you to be thankful as you pray. To be watchful is to be alert, to not be haphazard about our praying, but to be alert. In fact, that that word sort of uh, communicates the idea back in that day of, of a soldier being on watch. Be watchful, be aware, be alert as you pray, and always pray with gratitude with thanksgiving. I don't know if you do this, but I've tried to make a habit of as I'm bringing needs to God, before I even know what he's doing, I thank him for how he's going to respond. And then he says this, and as you pray, I want you to pray for us. Church, would you pray for me? Because I, I, we need open doors. I need courage to speak as I ought to. This is like the apostle guy. And he's saying, would you pray for me? Because I believe that when you pray, something happens. And I believe that too. I believe that when God's people come together and they pray and they bring their needs as imperfectly as they ask and believe that God works. I have been the recipient, Stacy and I have been the recipients of that over and over and over again. And I don't simply believe this because it says it in the Bible. I do believe it because it says that. But I also believe it because I've experienced it and seen it over and over again in our lives. Very specific ways in which God has heard the prayers of his people and answered in our lives. Earlier this year when we were away for several months, I know that there were very specific people in this body praying for us. And there were specific times when we'd say, hey, this is going on or we need this. And in very, very specific ways, God met those needs and met us right where we were at. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was because people were praying. And that's not just a recent thing. I was, Stacey just reminded me this week of a time, man, this was probably 20 years ago. 
When, when Stacy and I, were, our, our kids were, were, were little, and, and we were experiencing significant spiritual attack, uh, specifically in our home. I mean, there was some stuff going on, and it was just like this, it felt like this huge weight that was a, a kind of spiritual sort of almost oppression that was, had, had kind of landed on our home. And it had gone on for some time. And, and so some leaders, some elders from our church came out to our house and they prayed. They walked through every single room and they prayed over us. And we were just celebrating this week. That it was like, it like instantaneously was lifted. And for 20 years now, it has not returned. And, and that's all a result of God moving when his people pray. I believe it because I've seen it over and over again. Now, before we get too excited, I do want to I, I say this. That just because we pray and we ask God to move does not mean that he always moves in the way we ask him to move. And work in the way we ask him to work or the way we imagined it all turning out. I mean... At the end of Romans, in chapter 15, Paul asks the church to pray for him because there is a plot to kill him. And the church gathers together and they pray and, and, and these people who had sworn an oath to kill him, um, God miraculously saved him. And on the other end of that saving, guess where he ends up? In prison. Right? And so it's like, wait a second. That's not exactly what we were thinking. We were thinking, like, bring him to us. It's like, well, we come to God with our imperfect faith and prayers, and we say, God, we want you to work. We want your will to be done. And somehow God takes our prayers, and he responds according to his plan and his purposes, which is why Jesus taught us to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Our church, ancestor, our, our church ancestors prayed together because they believed that God heard them and that he responded in power. And my prayer for us, family, is that God would ignite that kind of devotion in us. That this whole idea of prayer, that you ask any church anywhere around, will say, this is the area we struggle in. This is, it's hard to, you know, if you want people to not show up, call for a prayer meeting. I mean, all those kinds of things are sort of like half jokes go on in the life of the church. And my prayer is that that will be turned around into a reality that we believe and are devoted to prayer because God hears. Our ancestors believed it, and they prayed it, and God moved and worked. And I believe that now is a perfect time for us to re-engage in that. God, ignite our belief in that, please. But I also want you to know this, that there's no formula. There's no right words in prayer. Please understand, prayer is an open invitation to bring ourselves, our needs, our faith, our faithlessness to the God who loves us. That's what a devotion to prayer looks like. Second question. 
What might stand in the way of our devotion to prayer? What might stand in the way? What might be a roadblock for you and I to devote ourselves to praying together, together? And I believe that probably the biggest roadblock for us praying together is fear. At least it was for me. Fear. You might fear saying the wrong thing or not saying the right thing or in the right way. That's why I was so nervous when we did those prayer circles as a kid. Because I was afraid of what people were going to think of me when I didn't pray right, or I didn't say it right. Or maybe I was afraid that what if I prayed this and it didn't happen? Then that means there's something wrong with me, right? And all of these sort of false beliefs begin to become beliefs, the things we stand on and say, oh, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. So just don't do it. I was afraid that I, my prayers would not sound spiritual enough, that I might trip over my words if I prayed out loud. That if I did pray out loud and I did ask for something specific and it didn't happen, that that would somehow show that I'm not as spiritual, I'm not as good as people think I am. And all of those things have been used by the enemy to keep the church from praying. There's fear. And I just want to remind you, I just want to say it one more time. There is no formula. There are no right words. Prayer is not a performance for others. It is simply a conversation with God. And you don't have to be eloquent. The attitude of your heart is far more important than the words that come out of your mouth when you pray. And I think that if we're really honest, many of us, our fear of praying together is often rooted in pride. I don't want to sound dumb. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't know what to say. And my prayer, family, is this, is that we will be set free, that you will be set free from false beliefs about prayer. In Jesus' name. And you'll begin to believe what prayer really is, simply a conversation with God. And you know what? Jesus demonstrated it, and he taught it over and over again, that prayer is simple. You read the prayers that Jesus prayed? There was no flowery speech. There was no amazing. It was really simple. Like sometimes one word or two words. God, teach us how to pray again. Listen, you don't need to have King James English to pray. You don't need to use big words or theological terms. You don't need to quote scripture when you pray. The best prayers are simple and from the heart. In fact, Jesus calls us to have a childlike faith. And so if he calls to have a childlike faith, don't you think we should pray like children too? I get it, family. Praying together is vulnerable. It can be scary. But I also need you to know that it is a powerful thing to do for us to pray together. 
It will take boldness, it will take humility, it will take trust, and it will take devotion. And I pray that we will, that we will commit ourselves to that. Let me say it succinctly. The call is not to be eloquent in prayer. It is to be devoted to prayer. The call is not to be eloquent in prayer, but to be devoted to prayer. And so if you're maybe in a life group or something, you hear somebody praying, you go, man, they pray so good. It's not good. It's just praying. They're just talking to God. And they may be talking to God like that because that's how they talk and that's their language. Or maybe through time they sort of learned that you got to say it like this. And let's just get simple, family. And let's just cry out to God with simple childlike words and see him work and move. Let's bring ourselves, let's bring our needs to God over and over again. So, let's get real practical. What steps can we take to begin moving in the direction of devoting ourselves to praying together? What are some steps that you and I can take to begin moving in the direction of a church that is devoted to prayer? I want to share some steps, and the first one is simply this. If your heart is resistant to praying with others, if you struggle with this idea of praying together, would you start by asking the Holy Spirit to help you? Remember, we've been given the Spirit this church that was devoted to prayer had been given the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. Pray. So if you struggle with it, would you simply ask, Holy Spirit, would you help me take one step? Would you empower me? Would you help me get over myself, to get over my fear, to learn how to pray? Acknowledge your fears. Acknowledge your objections to God. He can take it. Just bring it to Him. That's the first step. Just bring it to Him. And ask him to help you. Here's a few other real practical steps you can take. One is this. Is if you are in a group, many of you are in you know, a life group or a class or some kind of group. If you are in a group, I want to challenge your group to, pray, to, to, to share less and to pray more. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? Share less, pray more. I've been in a lot of groups in my life, and here's what usually happens. You come together as a group, you say, hey, what can we pray for? And you spend about 45 minutes sharing every last detail about what to pray for, and then you get to the end and go, oh, we're just about out of time, let me close. Right? And the power is not in the sharing of the need, the power is in the praying for the need. And so let me just challenge you, groups, group leaders, Make it real quick. Just share. Real quick. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the need. Here's what I need Jesus to do for me. And then spend the majority of the time actually praying and practicing that together. Would you do that? Another thing that you might try, another step you can take is this. is If you are in a group, you're in a situation where you can pray with other people, would you just simply pray one sentence out loud? Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe it's the scariest thing in the world. Would you just ask the Spirit of God to help you pray one sentence? Maybe just one word. Because that's prayer. And I want to invite you to do that. 
Another way that you can engage in praying together is by sharing a need. Sometimes we're too proud to share needs. Like, oh, it's, it, we have this, this list that says these things are things you bring to God or you bring to other people, and these things are like not that important. Would you just bring something? Bring it up in your group, say, would you pray this for me? And I don't mean, you know, Aunt Edna's goiter. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Aunt Edna. We do pray for that. But how often do we sort of deflect and pray for other things and not say, would you pray for me? I need this, right? Share. You know how you can share? You can share in a group. If you're not in a group, every week you come in here, you have that little program thing at the bottom. You can say, on the back of that, you can write a prayer, put it in one of these boxes, and there are people who will pray for that every single week. Would you do that? How about this? How about take advantage of, at the end of every service now, we have a group of people up here who are willing to pray with you. And I've been encouraged. We just started a few weeks ago doing this. Every single week, I've been so encouraged to see people, you, coming up and saying, this is what I need Jesus to do for me. Would you pray? If you've never done that before, that's a scary thing for you. Step out in faith. Do that and come up and say, would you pray for me? We believe that God hears and responds. Sometimes we don't have because we do not ask. So let's ask. One last thing that's coming up uh, starting in January. We've been doing this for several years now. We joined with our larger Alliance family for 40 days of prayer starting in January. For the first 40 days of January, it's a time of prayer. And there's two ways you can engage in that. One, personally, you can get an email every single day that says, hey, would you pray for this? And you're joining with people around the world doing that. And once a week, we have this year two different prayer gatherings you can join in. One on Saturday night, one on Sunday morning before church, and to pray for one hour. Maybe you've never done that before, but would you just step out and join us as we start off a new year by practicing praying together? Let me close with a story. Uh, One year ago, October, uh, I was over in Germany uh, with, with a group touring over there. It was part of uh, my master's program, and, and uh, we were over there sort of following the footsteps of the Reformation. And uh, on one day, we found ourselves uh, in a prayer service at St. Nicholas's Church in Leipzig, Germany. And that church, I'd never heard about it before. I'll tell you, I didn't know the history of any of this. But we found ourselves there at a prayer meeting on October 9th. A year ago, October. And that church, I learned, was the epicenter of a great prayer movement in the 1980s. Leipzig was in East Germany when the Berlin Wall separated East from West. In those days, in the 80s, the tensions were beginning to rise as the East Germans were crying out for freedom. The pastor of St. Nicholas called for prayer. Let's gather every Monday from 5 to 6 o'clock and let's pray. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for our freedom. Now when they started these prayer meetings, there were less than a dozen people who would show up on Monday, 5 o'clock. But those few people persisted and they prayed and they gathered and they devoted themselves every Monday, 5 o'clock, 5 to 6, every Monday for seven years. 
Talk about persisting in prayer. For seven years they gathered and they prayed. And in the fall of 1989, those prayer gatherings began to explode. And more and more people started gathering. And it all sort of culminated on October 9th, 1989. When 8,000 people showed up for that prayer gathering inside that church, they packed in and... Outside in the streets were 70,000 people holding candles and praying for peace. The prayer vigil was going to be shut down by force. The military was moving in and later on the officials acknowledged this and I quote, We were prepared for every eventuality that day except candles and prayers. And four weeks later to the day, the wall came down. And that began seven years earlier with a few people who said, let's pray together. I happened to be there on October 9th, the 33rd anniversary of that time of prayer, and went to their prayer. They're still praying. And sadly, there was just a few people there. Right? That's sort of how it works, isn't it? When things are good, don't so so much need it. When things are bad, boy, do we need to pray. So I had the opportunity to gather on on that day and pray in that church where that had happened 33 years earlier. And we prayed together, and I kept the, the prayer guide that had been translated into English uh, so that we could follow along and we could pray along. And it wasn't like it was a, let's remember what happened then. This was just a time to pray. And, and specifically that day, we were praying prayers of confession and repentance that were not for then and there, but for now and today. And I thought, what if we ended our service today by praying together the same prayer that I had the opportunity to pray in Leipzig. So would you stand up with me? What's going to come up on the screen is going to be um, a verse to begin with, and then there's going to be some prayers, and I'm going to read the prayer, and then together we will pray what is in bold. That makes sense? So it's sort of a responsive prayer that we did together. And, uh, and this could either be just sort of mechanical or we could make this a prayer. And I want to invite you to make this a prayer together. Let's start. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetousness, the covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned the, ho- the homeless, the refugee, Father, forgive. The lust which dishonors our, the bodies of men and women 
and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we lift this prayer to you, a prayer of confession, a prayer of repentance. And I pray, God, that in the months and years to come, that you teach us here at Smoky Point how to pray. That you'd remind us that you want to, you love to hear us talk with you, and that you really do hear and respond in power. God, I pray that you would help us to unlearn the wrong ways that we have been taught to pray, the wrong thinking we've had about prayer, and I pray that you would renew our minds and our thinking with the truth about you and about this invitation to pray, and I pray that in the years to come, we would be known for our devotion to prayer. God, move. God, work, I pray, among us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As you go today, I want to invite you, if you have a need, uh, our prayer team is going to come up right now, and they're going to be available. Come and ask for them to pray for you. God bless you.